Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. From KCBS Radio, I'm Greg Wong, in for Matt Pittman. And this is Bay Current for Friday, May 27th. One of the most prominent and trailblazing Asian American figures in the Bay Area also happens to be the architect of the San Francisco Giants. Farhan Zaidi is the first Pakistani-American and first Muslim general manager and president of baseball operations in history. He's also one of the few Asian-American executives in all of sports and was voted Major League Baseball's 2021 Executive of the Year. On today's Bay Current, in celebration of Asian-American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I sat down with Zaidi to talk about how his unique background impacted his rise in baseball and what he's doing to help diversify the sport. Zaidi, who is now 45 years old, was born in Canada, raised in the Philippines, moved to the U.S. at 17 to attend undergrad at MIT, and then became one of the top students in UC Berkeley's PhD program for behavioral economics. Then in 2004, he abruptly left school to follow his true passion, baseball and took an entry-level job with the Oakland A's. Over the next 18 years, he's experienced a meteoric rise through the sport, first with the A's and Dodgers, and now with the Giants, culminating last year when Zaidi, in only his third season as president of baseball operations for the team, led them to a Major League Baseball best and franchise record 107 wins. His unprecedented journey to be one of America's top sports executives stands out like a shining star in an industry historically occupied by white men, and one that Asian Americans specifically have barely been given the chance to make a footprint in. And as a Chinese American myself, who works in sports as a play-by-play broadcaster in minor league baseball and collegiate athletics, Zaidi's rise and journey has provided me hope that it is possible for people who look like me to have their place in the sports world. Farhan, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. You're the first Muslim to hold the role of general manager and president of baseball operations for a major league baseball organization, one of just a handful of South Asian or Asian uh, Americans to be an executive at any professional sports level. So right off the bat, what does that mean to you? Is it something that you hold with a badge of honor? Um, or is it maybe something that you don't talk about very much? How do you view yourself? And what does it mean to you to to have your background and your unique upbringing and to be in the position you are right now? Well, first of all, I, I really appreciate those words. It, it means a lot. I mean, it's um, 
you know, I've been able to live out a dream working in baseball and um, uh, working my way through different positions and, and knowing it's meaningful to, to, to people with similar backgrounds is really great to hear. I have a lot of optimism about the direction that professional sports is heading in. Um, it hasn't always come from the best places historically in terms of um, diversity and kind of openness to people from different cultures and backgrounds. But I think we're in a really good place now. I mean, baseball in particular is a sport that has a long tradition of conformity, whether it's um, in the clubhouse or the front office. And uh, the culture of baseball is, is really a certain way and uh, it extends in a lot of different directions. Uh, but I think what we're seeing now is an openness to uh, take the sport in different ways to open up opportunities for people from different backgrounds and cultures. And, and I think that can only be a good thing for the sport. Well, I want to talk a lot about uh, how the sport can grow and how it continues to grow in that regard. But first, I want to get into your backstory a little bit. I was reading a Los Angeles Times article that Andy McCullough did on you when you were working for the Dodgers a few years ago. And, and your sister said that you attended an international school as an adolescent and everybody that you and your family met as students was somebody different with a different story. Um, so I'm curious how your upbringing in that regard and the many different places it took you growing up, how that shaped both uh, your life and also your journey through baseball and how you've viewed the industry professionally. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, when I first came to the U.S. for um, for college um, back in 1994, I, I remember you know people would ask me where are you from, and I'd have to say, well, you know, my parents are from Pakistan. I was born in Canada. I grew up in the Philippines, and people thought it was like the most exotic story. And of course, for you, it's just you. It's the life that you've lived. And to your point, going to an international school. Uh, everybody that I, I went to school with had, uh, I guess, what would be considered a pretty unique story in terms of where they were from and uh, where they grew up. And a lot of people whose parents um, worked for NGOs and, um, you know, moved around from country to country during even the early part of their life. So, you know, it, it's definitely shaped my experience in terms of having an appreciation for for different cultures and, you know, really valuing diversity. It's been so intrinsic in my life experience, you know, and I think it's, it's been really enriching for me as an individual and, and for my siblings, you know, you mentioned my sister. And so I think we've sort of always celebrated, you know, knowing people from different cultures um, our entire life. So uh, for me, you know, whether it's personally or even in the workplace, um, diversity, you know, is, is just a really enriching thing in any environment. And, you know, I, I, this is just me putting my own spin on it, but I feel like that may have helped you see different avenues that you could take once you did enter the workforce. So you went to undergrad at MIT, like you said, and then um, after working at a job, you, you were getting your PhD at Cal in behavioral economics and you know, I don't want far on to be uncomfortable, but all reports are he's a brilliant student. <laughs> and you, in the middle of getting your PhD at Cal, um, first of all, send you, you read the Bill James abstract, Moneyball, it changes your life, and you want to work in baseball. 
And after a new number of tries, um, sending your resume out to teams, you take a job with the A's, an entry-level data analyst position working for, for Billy Bean. That paid $32,000 a year. And this, I think, something that a lot of Asian Americans can relate to, where they have an opportunity to, to take a position, and maybe a lot of their friends have too, to be in this long career, a money-making career. But you took a risk and decided to join the A's. Can you take me through that decision-making process um, where you decided to follow your passion? And I understand um, it took you a while to tell your parents about it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I bought my first Bill James abstract when I was like eight or nine years old. It was back in 1985 uh, in the Philippines at, at Seafront, which was an American kind of government compound. And uh, they had a tiny little bookstore, um, you know, probably, you know, the size of a closet. And somehow, you know, the several hundred books that they had, the Bill James abstract was one of them. So that's when I really started getting passionate about baseball as a kid growing up in the Philippines. And um, you know, kind of led to different baseball related hobbies, whether it was collecting baseball cards or, um, uh, you know, getting into, you know, baseball games, computer games, kind of GM simulation type games, uh, that I think a lot of kids growing up, uh, get really passionate about, um, you know, when I got to school and again, I think this is something, you know, Asians and Asian Americans can relate to, you know, sort of like, what's the define career path, you know, if you're not a doctor or a lawyer anyway, which is, you know, you kind of go into this business track of, of going into management consulting or investment banking, and then, you know, think about applying to business school in a couple of years. Um, you know, for me, I, I wound up working at a consulting firm, and I sort of chose the opportunity that I thought might allow me to get my foot in the door you know, with a sports team or a sports website or, or, or whatever. And I kind of continue to seek out that work. And then from an academic standpoint, I just always, um, as an undergrad, had developed an interest in economics. And I, I do have sort of a strong contrarian side to myself. I think a lot of that is, is being a number two child. And, you know, my older brother's a very successful, um, you know, um, uh, in his own right and, and and went to great schools and graduate schools. And uh, I always felt like I had to do something a little bit different from him. So, um, you know, he, he got a JD MBA. And so I thought, well, I'll get a PhD in economics. That was like my weird form of rebellion. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I, I just continued to have this passion for sports. And uh, after reading Moneyball, uh, was really inspired to send out my resume and, and see if I could get any traction with, with major league baseball teams, because, um, you know, one of the positive developments in professional sports and baseball in particular is just access. I mean, when teams have job openings now, you know, anybody can go onto their website and with a couple of clicks, submit your resume. And at least you feel like somebody's going to review it and, and maybe you have a chance to get your foot in the door. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I didn't even know, where to send my resume or, you know, how that process might work. And um, yeah, I remember when I sent out my first three, um, you know, resumes to, to different teams, um, even getting rejection letters from them was such a thrill. I mean, I remember opening them up and saying, wow, this is, this is a rejection letter on actual Los Angeles Dodgers letterhead. This is amazing. You know, and I still have those letters. Um, 
when I did finally, uh, you know, apply for a position with the A's and, and got the interview, I mean, it was just the biggest sort of thrill of my life. Um, you know, I remember thinking, man, I, I wonder if I'm, you know, going to catch a glimpse of Billy Bean, you know, just walking down the hallway or something like that. And, and as it turned out, David Forrest, who uh, is the GM there now and, and a very dear friend, um, you know, got me at the reception and brought me straight into Billy's office, which, you know, in, in a, you know, especially since I've been in baseball, I've uh, had some real surreal moments in terms of meeting heroes and, and people I grew up watching. But that's right up there at the top, just walking straight into Billy Bean's office, you know, after being so inspired by Moneyball and his story. So, um, you know, I had a great talk with him and David, was fortunate enough to get offered the position. And then you're right, I, I actually was really nervous about telling my parents. I thought that they would be really disappointed that I was, you know, after all these years of school, taking this job, making $30,000 a year um, and was really stressing about it. And then when I did ultimately bite the bullet and tell my parents, they couldn't have been happier and more excited for me. And I couldn't have been more embarrassed by, you know, the fact that I had been so apprehensive about telling, telling them, I mean, you know, I had the best childhood. I have amazing parents and, you know, for myself and for my siblings, they just want us to live happy and fulfilling lives. And they knew this was a dream of mine. And again, it just kind of made me feel a little bit ashamed that I, that I would have ever doubted their reaction. You know, they've been super supportive my entire baseball career and I've had to change hats and uniforms a couple of times with me, but, um, you know, they're big Giants fans now and, and they're among our biggest supporters. So family is obviously, you know, really, really meaningful uh, to me. And they've been a big part of the journey. Yeah, that really resonates with me because I, I'm also pursuing a career in broadcasting and I wouldn't be able to do it without having parents that I have that are really supportive of me and wanting me to pursue what I'm passionate about. And I hope for me, it works out the same way it did for you. Because <laughs> now you're, of course, the president of baseball operations for the Giants. And you've made this climb through the A's to assistant GM and then the GM with the Dodgers, uh, a portion of your career that a lot of us like to forget about. But you get to the Giants. And as you've thought about your rise, I'm curious, because for me, in terms of diversity, when I worked in place like minor league baseball as a broadcaster, I never really thought about diversity per se at the front of my mind, but there's always a way I describe it is there's something in the back of your head, knowing that you are, you at least at minimum look a little different than everybody else. So I'm curious from your rise throughout your career, how you thought about diversity and the position that you were in compared to some of your coworkers. Yeah, you know, during my first 10 years in baseball with the A's, um, I didn't really think about it that much, think about sort of um, my path as something that other people would look at as an aspiration and something, you know, they would potentially want to follow. Um, you know, it's interesting, my, my first... Um, you know, my time with the A's, again, Billy Bean and David Forrest were incredible mentors for me and supporters of me. And I, I would not be where I am today without, you know, their support and um, mentorship. Uh, but I think, uh, if anything, I was a little bit self-conscious about being different. We've talked about baseball being a culture of conformity. And uh, I actually remember 
um, my first year with EAs. I'm a Muslim and and I, I fast during Ramadan. Or, or I should say, you know, back when I had more stamina as a younger man, I was much more regular about it than I am now. But, you know, my first year with EAs, I, I, I was fasting the entire month and I was so worried about fitting in that I didn't tell anybody I was fasting. I just kind of, you know, found excuses to skip lunch and, and hope nobody would notice. And then, you know, by the end of the day, once I could eat, um, you know, I figured out, okay, I'm, I'm fitting in again. And, uh, you know, that really went on all month. And my guess is maybe people noticed and didn't say anything. And I still remember on Eid, which is, you know, the, the last day of the month and is a big celebration once the month of fasting is complete. You know, I got an email from, from David Force first thing in the morning saying Eid Mubarak, you know, which is the, the greeting during Eid. And, and that was just a huge moment for me to feel like, wow, like, you know, it's okay. You know, people, there are people in this game who are, are, will celebrate you for exactly who you are. And, uh, you know, so that was an important thing for me to go through. You know, once I got to the Dodgers, um, this was really the first time I got asked questions when I first got the position and met with the media. You know, what does it mean to you to be, you know, the first, you know, Muslim general manager in baseball? And obviously I thought about those things, but, you know, I think you can relate to this experience. You, you know, almost feel a little bit sheepish about thinking you deserve that kind of platform to uh, be an example to other people. Um, so that's, I think, an uncomfortable position for people who just kind of put their head down and are passionate about their work and, and don't think about it in some greater sense. Um, but it's really important. And, you know, I've learned it's important. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it, it's definitely a great feeling hearing that your example can be something that inspires other people without you know, feeling like it puts you on a pedestal. You just feel like you're, you know, furthering a development which is really important in the game, which is increasing diversity and, and increasing the scope of opportunities for a wider range of people. And if you're playing a small part in that, that's, that's something to be celebrated and be proud of. I, I think, first of all, just by virtue of you being the position you are is going to help a lot of people. But you've talked about, especially now that you're in a hiring position, as you've been you know, probably the last decade or so, that you've made a conscious effort to diversify your coaching staff, your front offices. Um, and obviously the most well-known is probably Alyssa Nackin, who's on the Giants coaching staff. How have you gone about that process of including more diverse staff members? And I'll ask you this in a couple of ways, how you've gone about doing that that way, what can be done to have more um, diverse faces in baseball? And what's would the argument against when somebody says, well, you should just hire the best person for the job and it shouldn't matter what their ethnicity or sexual orientation is. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I think back to my own hiring, you know, by Billy and David back in 2005. And I always tell people, you know, of the 30 teams in baseball, they were the one team that was willing to take a chance on me. And I don't really think that was because of, my religion or the color of my skin, but it was because I was from a, a background that people generally didn't get hired out of, at least at the time. So when we talk about recruiting and filling positions now with the Giants, one thing that we need to be really careful about is there's such a rat race, you know, to get the best talent in every industry, 
but in baseball in particular, it's almost like everybody wants to hire the same people, the hot name, you know, in the pitching coach ranks or in the hitting, you know, um, you know, a guy who's a hitting mechanics guru, you know, and every team is, is after the same guy. And, you know, I think to myself, it's okay for us. And in some ways, it, it can really be enriching for us to be the one team willing to give somebody a chance. You know, the one team saying, hey, we, we believe in you and we think that you can really be an additive part of our organization rather than feeling like the only way someone is going to be a good hire is if you're fighting with nine other organizations to hire that person. And that, uh, that's a way to achieve diversity in itself when you're not afraid to hire somebody that doesn't seem like anybody else is willing to take a chance on. Um, when you're trying to hire the same people that a bunch of other teams are trying to hire, you're probably just perpetuating, you know, the same group of people that's already working in baseball. I mean, I look at Alyssa, who you mentioned, who's just been an unbelievable hire for us. She's done such a tremendous job. And, um, you know, I do feel like at the time, because of her background, you know, more on the business side of baseball, we were probably the one team that was prepared to put her on a major league coaching staff. But now there's many teams that would have put her on the staff. And, you know, I think we're going year to year. One of these years, somebody's going to come with her to her with an opportunity that she can't pass up. And that'll be a really proud moment for all of us. But, you know, if we're creating those kinds of pipelines for people, I think that's a really great goal for us to have. And, and that's, that's a, that's a way that we will achieve diversity without, to your point, thinking, we have to hire somebody of this race, ethnicity, religion, or, or, or gender. It just sort of happens when you're willing to take chances on people that are already kind of insiders or people that other teams are trying to hire. If I could add to that, also, it's not like, you know, Asian people or women or gay people aren't interested in sports and aren't interested because you go to a Giants game or just anecdotally people growing up everybody's interested in sports. And so there, it's not like there's going to lack any candidates. So I appreciate you saying that, Farhan. We'll, we'll wrap it up on a lighter note. I'll do this for my producer, Mallory Samara, who's Filipino. Give <laughs> me your favorite Filipino dish, um, since you spent a lot of time over there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm just a sucker for a good adobo. I'll say I love adobo. And um I'm actually down in, um, I mean, the best thing to me about being in California is the fact that we have all these Filipino fast food chains out here and, uh, you know, whether it's Shakey's or Jollibee or, or something like that, like it's a little taste of home, uh, you know, whether you're in Northern California or Southern California. So, uh, and more and more kind of Filipino restaurants popping up. I'm in the East Bay and I just had a new one open up there that we've uh, gotten food from a couple of times. So. Uh, yeah, it's a fun taste at home, no question. All right, you're here, here first. If you're in the Bay Area and you go to a Jollibee's, you might run into Farhan. <laughs> exactly and that would be exciting. That would make my dream come true. <laughs> Fame Day's executive Billy Bean once said he was more afraid Zaidi was going to leave them for a job at Google or Apple rather than for another baseball team. Fortunately for baseball and unfortunately for Silicon Valley, I think Zaidi is right where he wants to be. Thanks again to Farhan for joining us and to Giants Vice President of Media Relations, Matt Chisholm, for helping us set up the conversation. Special thanks to Mallory Samara, who, like I said, a proud Filipina, for mixing and editing today's special edition episode, which was entirely produced 
hosted and developed by KCBS Radio's Asian American staff. New episodes are out every day, and we'd love to be a part of your daily routine. Please subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or just about anywhere you listen. We're also on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Greg Wong for Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again on Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.